With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Show. We got a great one for everybody tonight. In about 10 minutes, Ralph and Dennis from Torture Dog will be getting to them real early on in the show. After that, Stephen Piercy, the ex-singer from Rat. And right after that, Patrick D'Onofrio from Savage Thrust, the fellow Staten Island band out here. We're going to keep the chit-chat down to a minimum because we have a lot of interviews to get to tonight. And I want to get as much music as I can in between there. And right there, it was Hollow's Eve with the Arno Rules. And we had Tommy Stewart on the show back in 2008. And they kind of fell off the radar after that. They put out that great record, The NeverEnding Sleep. 
and we didn't hear anything else from him after that. Now, Tom is not listed as a member anymore of Hollow's Eve, but I think he still is. I know he has a new band called Bloody Guys out right now, and they're actually pretty good. Uh, I'm going to reach out to see if I get him back on the show maybe uh, towards the end of the fall, because we're kind of booked up for the next four or five weeks on the show. But we'll see what happens. All right, right now, let's get on one more tune. I'll get on some Tortured Dog, and I'll get Ralph and Dennis on the phone. Uh, Syrian wanted to hear some Sirith Ungol, some off the first record, Frost and Fire, his Edge of a Knife.
Hello. Oh, man, there you go. Tortured Dog with Witch Hunter. They were one of my favorite bands from back in the day. I love that Born to Metalized compilation, and I wish we could have gotten so much more out of those guys, but to tell us why that didn't happen, we have Ralph and Dennis on the line right now. Guys, how are you tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good, Mike. Thanks for calling up. Hey, I'm glad to Thank have you, you here. Like I was saying, I was such a big fan of you guys back in the day, and I felt like I just got that little taste of you, and then it was all over with. <laughs> We yeah, Ralph, Ralph's pretty much the driving force. Ralph, you take it. 
<laughs> I'm gonna let you. Whoever wants to answer the question, just go ahead. Cause I'm not. Gonna, I'll just throw them out there. You guys can take it. Well, yeah, Dennis is right that we we didn't. Um, it didn't materialize uh, after that after that album. Actually, Johnny Z was going to make four EPs, and he decided to do the uh, the compilation. And instead of doing the compilation as as most of the uh, other uh, labels were doing it with one song per band and having you know a dozen bands or so, he did four bands doing two to three songs. Oh, and okay. so that was really like, yeah, it was like everybody's EP was, was that compilation. And yes, we were supposed to do a, a, a full LP for Megaforce, but it, it never happened. It never materialized. You know, the, the typical, you know, band things that happened, happened, and you know, it was pretty much <laughs> over. I, 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 I can imagine that. Well, you guys come from like the upstate New York area back in the day, at least not too far upstate, but you know, like Paul Jarvis, right? Exactly. How, yeah, how was the last spot for metal? Was it? Because I, I didn't, I wouldn't know. I, Actually, I yeah, the State Theater. I mean, the State was throwing shows. Uh, Metallica played there. Raven played there. A little tiny theater. I mean, when when everybody was coming out, they were doing pretty well up there. And and then metal was really pretty big in Port. Wow. We I, were actually one of the Jersey. first bands to play there. We we had a band before Torture Dog called Griffin, and we were basically like the first band to play the the State Theater actually before. Nice. You know, well, how did the whole torture thing come about? I mean, were you guys friends before that? You know, they wanted to start a band, or were you, did you just happen to find each other up there? We had quite a few bands together, different names, different things, a lot of cover bands, you know. But uh, when we finally got together with Torture Dog, it was uh, it fell together nice. We uh, we met Harry and Shari Reich. They pulled us with uh, they got our bass player Mark Greenfield. Uh, we were supposed to use Danny Shuck, who was a, a drummer from way back then. He wasn't available, and Matt popped up. Uh, Ralph knew Matt. And he was capable of doing the job, so the band just kind of fell together, and it came out great. But um, you know, then this sh- shit happens. I can always do it with every band, and I, w- uh, I guess I could be partly to blame. I still like to, you know, do my share bongs and <laughs> did it over uh, practice here and there. You know, I didn't have the drive I should have had, but uh, you know, I kind of regret it now. But you know, shit happens. It's always those freaking <laughs> things that screw things up. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, buddy. I mean, that's what it was all about back then. Exactly. And you know what? It still is today. But, but did you guys record anything else besides the tracks for this record? Or, or they recorded before the album came out and you just used them on the EP? They were recorded Ralph, for that, that album. Yeah, Ralph, they, were, they were recorded for that album. Yeah. For that album. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was Boobatch and Curcio did that. They were the guys who did um, Kill Em All and they did uh, Fistful of Metal. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you guys had no demo tapes or anything? Because back then, you know, most men started out with demo tapes and they kind of filtered it into what they could find. We didn't have a demo find. tape, no. No, we no, no. We didn't have that. No, just kind Overkill, of straight. Overkill like had that, that, that uh, with the power and black thing floating around at that time, I remember. Yeah. 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 Well, how did you hook up with Johnny Z? Because we had a sneak attack on the, the week before you guys, and they were telling us that, you know, they knew him from his store, Rock and Roll Heaven, and they had to sell a lot of tickets, you know, for a show that he, they wanted to get on with him, and they gave them the record deal with them, but they actually had to pay for it. How did you guys hook up with that? I think it was more family with us. It was uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Harry and Shari uh, Rice, who were uh, related to Johnny Z. They were Mark Greenfield's godparents, Ralph? Something like that, yeah. Something, right. something like that. Yeah, and they just they had the connection. It all went in through there. And Johnny saw us somewhere. I don't know if he saw us at the Stone Pony or, and uh, he was up for it. Yeah, you gotta love nepotism. Yeah, yeah, it ain't bad. I'll tell you what. Yeah, that connection. That's how you did it back then. Because you know what? There was no internet back then. You didn't get your shit on. You know. That's right. You right. Kiss ass. That's <laughs> what you had to do. Yeah. <laughs> or just get, get lucky. Like, you know, one or the other. You had, you had to go we got lucky. 
and post up flies on, you know, on telephone poles and, uh-huh. and go show to show to get your band name out there. It isn't like today you yeah. click a button and everybody can hear your music. Yeah, well, you know, and we, we played uh, basically for free. <laughs> you know, it was all about exposure, but, uh, you know, every band does that, but we didn't have to drive around in a van or nothing like that. We got we got the album contract pretty quick and easy. That was nice. GT yeah. Quick took pretty, good care of, uh, took pretty good care of us when we opened for them. They paid us a pretty decent chunk of change. Ah, that's not bad. Yeah. But that was about it. They were the only ones. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, how long did the band actually last for? I mean, after the release of the DP, uh, the Born the Metal Wise. Oh, crap. I, don't even, I, I couldn't even say if it was a year. No, you know, well, we played yeah, a couple of games. We played Lamar's a few the, times. Yeah, the band was broken up before the release of the of the album, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it didn't really go too much yeah. further than that. No, it didn't. Yeah, didn't that suck? <laughs> well, there was we, we we put together a couple other lineups of, of of but that particular band that particular lineup was done after the you know before the recording. Yeah, yeah. and then, uh, then I exploded in my throat, and that didn't help. That's right. That's my right, throat yeah. blew up on stage. We were, we were doing a benefit concert actually at a, at a high school. And uh, I had to do the last three songs with no voice at all. And, uh, you know, way back then, no training, no nothing, doing Nazareth Priest and not knowing what the hell yeah. I was doing. <laughs> I did it for a lot of years, and I exploded. So that was the end of that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dennis, after, after everything fell apart with Torture Dogs, did you stay in music as far as, like, you know, metal and, and making bands, or did you just kind of pack it up after I, that? I kind of packed it up. I, could, I went for an operation. I went to get a nose removed, which I probably shouldn't have done, and it wasn't exactly laser surgery. I never got my range back. And uh, then I, you know, I got married and I moved away and I came back and then I went for lessons and, and now I sing. I sing better, you know, than I that I used. I still don't have the range, but I'm a better singer, I think. And, and right now I'm just doing karaoke, believe it or not. <laughs> that isn't that sad. Yeah. But it's not sad because you know I'm, I'm getting paid at least, and uh, it's not it's not so terrible. That's all. And I get to sing whatever the hell I want. I can sing metal. I can sing whatever I want. Oh yeah. And, and Rob, you, you got the Octoman going right now, right? That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. How's it? Yeah. A lot different than Tortured Dog, but you have a good time with that, I see. It looks pretty cool. I have I have a good time with that, and, you know, um, some old friends came out to one of the shows not too long ago, uh, Antonio Bellator, Greg Gaddy, and I haven't seen them in many years, and, and they were saying that the uh, the songs I've written for the Octomen sound like Tortured Dog, and, and, and actually some of those songs are Tortured Dog songs that never were released that I just, like, changed into surf songs. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, with the internet today, you can, you know, you get to keep track of everything that's going on out there. Do you, did you realize there was like such a resurgence in the band's music again? Because I get people on the show all the time that email me, you know, play something by Torture Dog. But I'm like, well, I don't think anybody remember these guys because you know I still play and I love the music. But there's like such a, a cult following now for those classic underground bands from the '80s. We didn't know. <laughs> you know, I found out about that through a, a dude named uh, Paul Sikmiski, who has, a, has a, a surf band up in um, a surf punk band up in Maine called The Ice Picks, and he invited us up to play a, a show with him, uh, with his band, The Ice Picks, and I was, I was blown away, all these young guys that, you know, knew who Tortured Dog was and, and knew all about that scene, and I was like, wow, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, you know, I didn't yeah. know. That yeah. totally, totally, totally unexpected. Didn't really yeah. think it was, uh, you know, that memorable, but I'm glad it is. Glad yeah, it works yeah. some people. A, a lot of people talk about the band. I mean, it's like, you know, this show is all about the music from back then. So we hear a mm-hmm. lot about it here, but I was like, you know, that's pretty cool because, you know, I didn't think anybody remembered them but me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> me too. Especially, especially since the album didn't have such a great cover. You know, so that wasn't a memorable album cover either. Yeah, that, that, was, that was definitely a forgettable album cover, but. 
Well, you know, Johnny, well, we didn't design like it. A lot of money. <laughs> Wasn't our idea. <laughs> I didn't uh, get to pick the picture on the back cover. I don't think. Do we get to pick anything left now? Just the song. Yeah, there's a picture on there. Yeah, yeah but we didn't pick it. The album was made. I mean, we had to do that album in three days. It, it was, you know, I think it came out pretty good for a three-day rehearsal. You know, with three songs, three days. Ralph's fingers were bleeding by the end of it. I mean, we had liquid skin on his fingers. It, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, it was true. It, it was a lot of fun, but it was. I mean, that's all it was. And, and to me, it was. That's what it was. A lot of damn fun, man. Yeah, yeah. Did you think when you look back now? Do you think you already said yourself? Was there something we could have done? Like to correct things before they went wrong to keep this thing going, or was it just destined to end anyway? Oh no, it, it should it should have kept going. I think I don't know. We you know what we were young and, and we and we jumped conclusions and we and we really kicked ourselves right in the ass. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. we, it, it could have been resolved. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah, we were stupid and young five, and dumb. Six, you know. Five six years later, the, the whole scene kind of imploded upon itself anyway. I mean, you know, when the nineties came around, it was kind of over and done with, but. You think you guys would have had a good run until that time, maybe even continued on if you did resolve things? Depends what you wrote, I guess, you know? (laughs) It all depends on your music. (laughs) Yeah. I I think we had it in us, you know? I I know Ralph had it in him. The music was always solid. Yeah. Well, you know, it's never too late to, you know, get back into the rehearsal studio and practice a little bit. It's the most reusable tours, you know? We need financing. Can we get financing on this show? Yeah, <laughs> fine, forget about it. I'm standing here doing the show by candlelight. I can't afford the lights on. <laughs> That's a problem. It happens. But, uh, like, I know, like, I know, like you were saying, like, you had some of the old recordings that you reworked into the new songs, Ralph, like for your newer band. Uh, but do you have anything that's still left lying around that you might be able to get out there that, that was still recorded with the original Torture to be honest lineup? with you? I have cassette tapes with songs and songs and songs that I that I and I'm not you know talking shit here. I that, that would that totally rival anything that came off Metallica's first album. They were written at that time and they're they're just like top notch stuff. Never made you know the album, but they're like I said, they're sitting on cassette tapes. They've been sitting there for thirty years. Wow. So yeah, yeah, yeah some good stuff, man. There's no doubt that you guys had it going. I mean, you guys had the songs, you had the music, you had everything happening. There's no doubt about that. You know, there are so many labels out there today, these underground labels that look for old stuff like that, and they, they remaster it, they re-release it. I mean, is there something you might be, you know, you might want to look into doing? Because I could put you in touch with a ton of labels that, that thrive on this stuff. Not a lot of money involved like all, everything else in this business today, but just a way of getting it out I'd love to work with Ralph again. That would be that would be great. <laughs> it would be, but sure. you know, it's, it's all a matter of time. Everybody's, you know, we all got families and we're working and trying to just stay alive. Yeah. So finding the time, you know, we don't live that close to each other like we used to live right around the corner. So it's tough right. to get together even and, and you know and, and put stuff down. Yeah, that is the problem. But you know, today with the internet and everything else, and you know, MP3s and sharing files, bands play from all over the world today. They get together right before a show and they go out. It's a whole it's a whole different environment today. That's that is true. true. You can send me some stuff, Ralphie. I'll see if I can put some vocals to it. Sounds good. We'll do it. There you go. I'm going to try to get this whole Born to Metalize uh, thing together and get everybody on one bill. That'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that would be uh-huh. cool. Yeah. Well, you guys still sure. in touch with uh, with uh, Matt and Mark? Matt, yeah. Mark, not so, I haven't heard from Mark since the oh, shit, since then. But Matt, Matt. Yeah, we have Matt. Matt's up in like where? New Hampshire, Ralph? Massachusetts somewhere? No, Matt is out in Arizona. Is he? Oh, shit. He went even yeah. further. I know he yeah. was around here for a while. Right. Yeah, no, he's got so we need a bass player and a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. We've got to rebuild it again. There you go. 
Yeah. Listen, you go back to the 80s. You guys played a lot of shows. I know you were down here at Lamar. You know, I lived in that area back in the day. You played a lot of shows up where you were. Were you ever able to venture out outside of the New York area? No. No. We, 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 we didn't move. Like I said, we played a few shows before the album came out. Lamar, Stone Pony, uh, you know, some some of the bigger clubs in Jersey. and, and But uh, only a few. And then, and then it all went shit. Yeah. One of the other bands we had, we, we played out in, like, um, you know, Indiana, out that way, before Tortured Dog. Roadkill was that bit. Was that Roadkill? Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, okay. But you guys were yeah, real close well. to New Jersey too back then, and New Jersey had a real thriving scene. Also, I mean, you guys like almost on the borderline of Jersey up there. We did those shows. We did some shows in Jersey. Yeah. You know, yeah, the show uh, place. Mothers. Everybody's at yeah. Dover. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. They would, uh, we'd play with Overkill. We played with TT Quick. We played. Who else? We played with Ralph. We played remember. a bunch, man. Those, those two mainly, I think, right? About yeah, well, a lot of a lot of we'd back up overkill quite a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How was it getting shows yeah. back then? You know, because today it's a lot of pay to play. You got to sell tickets. How was it back then? Was that still prevalent back then, or was it big back then, or it was more like it was, it was mostly exposure. You, you, yeah. you play yeah. to get your name out there. Yeah. Right. I mean, you expect that because you know if you, I mean, you played covers, you played originals, and um, we weren't paying to play back then. But, no, not paying. Yeah. But we weren't getting paid either. <laughs> we weren't getting paid, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I was because today, you know, you go to any club, they want you to pay to play, they want you to sell 500 yeah. tickets to a show, and they're making it more, like I always say, back then you went to a club, and it was your night out. You hung out, you didn't care what bands were playing, you enjoyed watching the And the bands are amazing. That was yeah. the thing, Twisted right. Sister was in clubs, Monroe, White Tiger, I mean, the, the Phantoms Opera, they were really good bands. You right. went and you saw a show. Exactly. Now you go out, it's like the five guys next door are playing. It's it's not like it was. Right. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and you're talking about White Tiger. Those guys are going to be in the show in a few weeks. So they just got back together. Did they? Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah they got back together. Yeah, it's amazing. Very cool. Thinking, it's, such a, it's such a revival right now of this old scene again, and everybody's getting involved in it, trying to jump on the bandwagon. Like you said, there's no money anymore in this business, no matter how you look. Well, maybe maybe the second time around is the trick, you know? Yeah. Got to make that happen. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Or at least get some of those old songs out again. I would love to hear some some of the other tunes. I've played the hell out of those three songs over the last thirty years. Wow, <laughs> nice. That's good to hear. Yeah. I have people talk, ask me all the time, "Oh, the Torture Dog," you know. I mean, around here. I mean, we we're local heroes, but so yeah. we, they still remember us around here. I didn't think it was any further than around here, though. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you I, know, I, I looked at it as more of a local scene. Yeah. Well, with the internet today, you know, bands putting pages up on Facebook and years ago, mm-hmm. MySpace and all that stuff. You think it would have been easier today to promote the band and get the name out there more than it, than it was back then? Oh, absolutely. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Because yeah. like said, we worked a lot harder to, I don't know, I, I just think the old metal bands put a lot more into it. I don't, you'll see, I don't know, the guitars and stuff, there's just not the same... There's some like uh, I like uh, Rise Against. Uh, I love I love Volby. I, lo- I love a, I don't know. And I'm not listening to too much metal anymore, actually, so I can't really say you know too much about the new metal scene. I've yeah. mellowed with age. I still love it, but there's just so much to keep track of. And, and I got I'm just wrapped up in my life, you know. Absolutely. So it's, uh, so oh. it's, it's just it's, there's no more priests. There's no more maidens. There's it's just not that. I, I don't see that that much anymore. Or Zeppelin. Yeah. There's up in those Zeppelins. You know, with social media too, there's such a gluttony of bands on there to kind of find your way through it, to, to even find the band. Yeah, that you, like, you have to sift through a lot of shit to find something you like. 
Yeah, so right. it would have been nice having that tool back in the day, but also I think a lot of bands would have got lost just like they do today on that. I mean, I, I'll, get into, I'll get introduced to some bands. I'm like, wow, these guys are great. I've never heard of them. Because there's like 50,000 yeah. other bands to get through before you can find that one band. Yeah, and they'd be like, ooh, I found one. Yeah, <laughs> and then, you know, back then, back then you were constantly finding one great band after another. I mean, with the, with the whole, because Dennis and I came from the 70s rock scene. I mean, it was, you know, David Bowie, T-Rex, Led Zeppelin, Leonard Skinner, you know, it, there was just, a, you know, Uriah Heep, and then it came the new wave of British heavy metal, which was just like, wow, this is fantastic. It was just like one great just one notch up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After another, yeah. you were discovering, yeah. you know, Praying Manus, Motorhead, Saxon, Priest, Maid. I mean, it just goes on forever. And you don't have That's that true. now. You don't have that, you know, those fantastic bands anymore. They're just, you know. You, do, you think it's a, do you think it's a lack of originality today with a lot of the newer music, or it's just that, you know, everybody's kind of done it already, and there's nothing left for them to do? Maybe, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, you know, nothing lasts forever. I mean, the 50s scene is, is gone. I mean, it's still rockabilly. Rockabilly is still very popular, psychobilly and whatnot. Yeah. But that's what you have to do. You have to do something else to it now to transform it. And, yeah. and, and to me, and it's speed, it, speed isn't, doesn't necessarily mean it's good. I mean, you can go as fast as you want, but I, I, like, I like you have to have a hook, you know. I mean, we always, in our songs, I always thought, you know, our bridges were nice. The, the transitions were always, you know, they were, there was a hook. Right. And there was a melody. There, you know, it's fast. It drove. But it wasn't just da 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 da. You know, it wasn't just drive drive drive. You know, you, yeah. you have to you have to break it down to bring it back up. Well, that that's one of the things I felt that was lost in the '90s. That bands weren't writing catchy songs anymore. They weren't writing riffs that you can remember, choruses and verses. I mean, you mm. put on some of this music and like you're like what the hell did I just listen to? I don't even remember what the hell one word the guy said. I mean, it's incredible how 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 it changed so drastically so fast. Yeah, right. I don't think a big fan of Jethro Tull. I mean, as far as lyrics go, I wasn't really great at writing lyrics. Bob, Bob Etchie wrote most of our lyrics, and I would rewrite or, or arrange more or less what Etchie would write. He was he was like the fifth member or the sixth. <laughs> he was the extra member of the band. He he, he wrote yeah. a lot of the stuff, and uh, he was a maniac. He was a great guy, and uh, he wrote a lot of lyrics. And I would take him home, and we'd, and Ralph had music, and I'd listen to it and try and put him to the music, and uh, that, that's basically you know. But the lyrics. Today, uh, I don't know. Like you said, you don't you don't get nothing out of a lot of them, you know, or or they they yeah. just go right by you. And that's so true. Hey, listen, Ralph, Dennis, I'm gonna play one more song. I got Stephen Pearson waiting. I don't want to get his panties in an uproar, so we're gonna <laughs> gonna let you guys go. But I appreciate you talking to me today, and I hope you can get some of that old stuff out for everybody here again, man. There's a lot of diehard fans out there that just want more tortured dog than we've been got, you know, been able to list over the years. So please make that happen. And once you guys give a little plug to what you're doing today, if you want anybody to come and check you guys out, come see the karaoke, come see the Optimen, let them know where they can find you guys. Sounds cool. Sounds good, man. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you guys me. very much. I appreciate yeah, it. It's great you, talk with you today. Take care, guys. Take it easy. Okay. All right, there you go. Dennis and Ralph from Tortured Dog, a band I really love from the 80s and a band I'm hoping we can hear more from in the future. Never say never, right? All right, let's get on one more tune off that Born to Metalize EP. Uh, we're going to want one or two more songs after that if we can, and we'll get to Stephen Piercy right after that. So here you go. Can't Run From Evil. <laughs>
now for Dennis, we're talking about T.T. Quicks. I think we get on some brand new Accept, which features Mark Tanello on vocals. That's off the Blind Rage record. That's 200 years. Uh, I think it's, it's two weeks. The band's going to be at the Gramercy Theater with Raven opening up. That's going to be a great show. Uh, I know I'm going to be there with Tommy. and Tommy's got the night off. He's in the studio with Tempest right now, and uh, they're doing some recording. So uh, we gave him a break today. Figured uh, let him take the night off. Uh, but Tom and I will probably hit that up, and Wolf Hoffman will be on the show. I think we have him set up for the second week of uh, September. I don't remember. Wolf has been on here many times before in the past. He's always a fun guy to talk to. All right, let me see what else is going on. We're going to get on a rap song in a minute, then we'll get Stephen on the line. But I just saw that uh, Randy Black, he parted ways with Primal Fear. It happened a week ago. I didn't even notice it. It kind of, flew, <laughs> it kind of went under the radar with me. But uh, Randy's a great guy. He's been on the show before. Uh, he's been in the band for like, I think, 12 or 13 years, a really long time. And uh, it looks like him and Ralph Sheepers had, uh, had a little falling out, and they're not getting along. That's about all they'll say. Uh, they're not criticizing each other yet, but I'm sure that'll happen somewhere down the road. Uh, but Randy also plays in Dust Machine, another great band uh, that has Joe Como from Legion Lord on vocals. And they really haven't been able to do much outside of recording those two records. You rarely see them play live or do any shows. So maybe now that uh, he's kind of freed up, and it looks like Legion Lord, I think, is almost done recording their new uh, record. Uh, maybe we'll get some dust machine going and bring him over here to the U.S. That would be great. You know, Randy Black relocated to Germany to be with uh, Primal Fear 2 about a decade or so ago. So let's see if he still stays there or he comes back home. All right, let's get on some rat. We've got Stephen Pearson on right after this. I want to, try, want to thank Judas for taking care of this and setting it up for me. So here you go.
Steven. Hey, hello? hello? Yeah, this is Mike. How's it going, Mike? Steve? Doing great. Anyway, I think we got a bad connection. Let me try, uh, try fixing it up here. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you perfect. Okay. That's great. How are you today? Real good. Just got in today and uh, looking forward to this shenanigans tonight. <laughs> How big can it be? I mean, you're a rock star. It's a hot summer afternoon. You're in Las Vegas. I know there's a lot of downfalls that come with being a rock star, but there's also a lot of perks. Is it still good after all these years? Uh, everything's all good. We're uh, working on uh, my fourth solo record right now and just going out and doing some festivals and bike rallies and Vegas and wherever else, you know. Not too yeah. many shows, just enough to get us off, you know. Yeah, I hear that. Like I said, you're working on the new record. I mean, Sucker Punch is about three years old now. Uh, so well, you... it's actually it, it, it's actually not sucker punch anymore. Those, those it's been a while, so we've decided to call the new record Smash, and uh, we're good to go. Should have a video and a single out by the end of the year, and then got about twenty songs to go through and put it out next year and take it from there. Hey, how like you know, under my skin was the last one that most of us heard. Is it similar in the vein, or are you moving in a little different direction with the the new tunes? Oh God, the new music is it's hard to describe. It covers all angles. Some, I, I mean, I I don't want to put any other band tag on it, but some other bands would kill to have these songs. <laughs> it's- it sounds good. Well, you're like, you go through your whole career from Rat to Arcade. I mean, on and on. You've never kind of repeated yourself with anything you've done. You've always experimented and gone off in different directions. You didn't just deliver the same album. Like, you didn't deliver a Rat record with your solo record. You didn't deliver, you know, an Arcade record with Nitronic. You kind of moved on. Is that important to you, like, to keep things moving on and not get stale and, and repeat yourself? Well, of course, because, you know, anything I do, it's going to be... Um you know, judge to rap music and, you know, my voice is what it is. But, you know, it's even like Vertex way ahead of its time, you know, um, industrial. But I I just like to do different kinds of music. You know, I got to get off before anybody else can, you know. I'm I'm greedy like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's important because if you're I get off happy, first. you're doing it. <laughs> hey, hey, that's, more, hey, that's important in a lot of areas. So, <laughs> if you've got to do it in music, why not? <laughs> uh, like I said, you know, if, you can, if you don't make yourself happy musically, how can you make other people? If you're not content with what you're putting on and what you're doing, it, it, it comes across to the fans, and they know, and it just comes off as phony, and, and they won't buy into it anymore. Yeah, you know, you can, you know, I, I don't like to repeat myself. You know, like I say, it's great to have an identifiable voice, but it, it's, you know, that's why we change the music around and, and kind of try different things, you know. I mean, the door is wide open. It depends on what you do. I've been there and done it, so I'm always trying to do something new, you know. Yeah. Well, I look at that. If you had to, like, start over again today, going back to the early days, you know, you, you have it for that struggle. You know there's going to be those lean years. It's going to be hard until you can make it. And it's like a one-in-a-million shot of making it in a band. Do you think if you had to start over today, even, like, saying reforming Rat from the very beginning today, you would have the success you had back then in the 80s? I know it's a different climate musically today. Is it, 
is that is that climate still there for a band to succeed and make it and become those next big bands? Uh, well, nowadays, you know, there's so many different ways and avenues to go and use to get your music out there, and you actually don't need a major label. You just need an audience and a good song, you know, and all it takes is one good song, you know. It could take a year, it could take a few years, but all you need is one, you know, and the door's open. Was it easy for you to adapt to the new way of doing things? Because it's all through the internet now. It's all through, you know, file sharing and downloading. You know, the days of records, you know, nobody's buying. I mean, vinyls actually make a little bit of a comeback for, you know, in a small market. But people just aren't buying today. And is it, is it difficult as an artist knowing that just as many people probably have your music, but they're just not paying for it today? Well, contrary, people are buying, you know, the old stuff and even the stuff I've done solo and, you know, uh, people, you know, they still want some kind of tangible item, you know, whether it's a CD or a picture or, you know, uh, the credits or photos. Or the, you know, they want something, you know, not just the music, even though there's plenty of ways to get the music. And people still buy it, you know. They they still want to go out there and get it. And the ones who just take it, well, that's cool, too, because they share it and somebody else will buy it, you know. That's true. I mean, I, I guess I still buy it because I like to have something in my hand to hold, to read, to look at the pictures, and to get it. It makes me feel like the old days. But I just think a lot of the younger kids today, they feel they're, they're entitled to everything for free. Uh, it just seems like it's a generational <laughs> thing. Yeah, that's 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 so true. That is so true. But people do want the the tangible thing. That's why I think LPs records are making a comeback because you know, for me growing up, it was so cool to open up a record and see photos and the liner notes and credits and the sleeve, you know. And people got creative and Alice Cooper, you know, put panties on his record and, you know, sweet, you know, you had the album cover that moved up and down and it winked and yeah. it was a wink. The Stones had the zipper, yeah, you know. Uh, so that's, I think, what's turning some people on. It's it's just buying the player, you know, the record player now, you know. True, <laughs> true. Like you say, you're working on the new music right now. I mean, everything's yeah. been with you for like over 10 years now. You guys are like, you know, partners of crime, it seems, in, in, in this music thing. Who else have playing with you on the new record? Well, um, my lead guitar player, Eric Ferrantino, has been with me forever doing solo stuff. Is one of my main writers with myself, and we we go outside of the box. We, we like playing all kinds of different stuff, you know, and it, it could be just way too heavy or it can be you know right in there it just depends on what you know turns us on and uh that's it we i mean that's one thing we're never uh we just have tons and tons of music you know we just write constantly you know and we write for movies and tv and and uh other things so you know there's plenty of material that's that's the least of our worries is material because we're always writing Absolutely. Well, I mean, your name is on the band, your name is on the project, even though it is a band, you know, it all kind of falls on you. And do you prefer it that yeah. way as compared to being in a situation like Rat where everybody has a say and 
things can really get jumbled up and <laughs> go bad. Do you prefer being the guy in charge, the one that everybody relies on, to, like the guide the ship? Oh, well, yeah, we have more control. That's why I started um, Top Fuel Records in 1995. I knew back in the day after, you know, the first break in Rat in 91 that things were changing. And when I did the arcade, it was the same thing, you know. Um, but, you know, it, it falls on the label. We just, we like to own what we record, you know, so we license it out. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the day. But, uh, yeah, we like having control of everything we do pretty much, you know. Um, but the band, you know, I like I like a band. I like a gang, you know, whether it's my name or not. It's still we're still the rat bastards, you know, it's, it's our own rat pack, you know, so to speak. Absolutely. You know, in the early days, you were signed to Atlantic Records for, 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 for over a decade. Uh, how was it being yeah, on a major are. label? Oh, I didn't, I didn't well, know that. Yeah, we still are. Roadrunner was bought up by WIA, so we're right back where we started. And, and whether that lasts, you know, we have one more record to do. If it happens, uh, hopefully it won't take 10 years like the last one, but you know, in the meantime, I'm happy just to, you know, put up my own stuff and and do what we do. Yeah. Well, as I say, with the major label, I mean, you guys came right out of the box, you know, out of the cell, and, and the hits started coming after that. Did the label try to change you and make you feel like you, they wanted you to do things in a different way than you really wanted things to go? And did you feel like you had to bend to accommodate the major label like a lot of other bands say? Or were they kind of lean with you guys, you know, and kind of gave you free reign? Well, no, because we went through that um, with Portrait Sony, you know, um, they had us riding with everybody and anybody, you know, like they had Aerosmith doing over there, and and uh, we always wrote our own songs, our own, that became the hits, you know, we didn't, you know, it, it can kind of be a negative you know, working with all these other people. But there's still, you know, some writers I would love to work with, you know. Um, but right now it's, you know, I'd rather do what we do on our own. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, the stuff with writers old news now. It happened months ago. You've got this going now. But I, was, I have to be honest with you, I was very surprised about how vicious some of the attacks were. And I'm like, you know, they parted ways two or three times before in the past. I mean, you know, why, like, why, why was this like, all right, it didn't work out, it's not happening, all right, you go your way, we go our way, whatever it is. I was really surprised yeah. by how vicious some of it became. From grown, I was like, not on your end, you know what I'm saying, but... I was, yeah, I well, it's, it's, you know, on that note, it, it's, it's the people who had nothing to do with anything that try to ruffle the feathers, you know, and make themselves seem more important, you know, um regardless of the situation, you know, but it, it's been 30 years and, and, you know, I created this beast and I, I'm very content with, you know, my legacy. Uh, obviously some people aren't because they're actually not on the same um, level of, uh, you know, they know didn't exactly write the songs. They yeah. didn't, you know, really do anything. So, you know, you take their, you take something away from them, and their, their egos, you know, fall apart. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. but to me, it was like, you know, thirty years. You know, I've got other things to do. We've got great projects going, and 
And, you know, we don't worry about that stuff, so there's no reason to respond or to reply or get involved with that kind of nonsense, you know. It's just very um, immature and just it's just it's just a terrible thing, you know. Uh, I couldn't agree more. At this point in time, it's just, all right, you know, hey, whatever happened, happened, we go our ways, and, you know, we'll see what the future brings. But it just doesn't work that way with some people, because it's like you says, uh, they kind of know where the bread is buttered, and the bread is being buttered somewhere else right now, and <laughs> not too happy about that. But it does happen. But yeah. Was, you know, was there a time in Rat, even when you guys were together, just didn't feel like Rat anymore? Was it after Robin, or maybe somewhere down the road, where you just, where you just kind of lose it, even though you keep it going, saying it just doesn't feel the same anymore? Yeah, you know, I knew it was it was pretty much, you know, you can carry on just because of uh, um, the name or whatever, but I knew it was never going to be the same without Robin. You know, no disrespect to anybody else who pulled in, but it, it just wasn't the same. You know, he was a big part of everything that had to do with the band. And um, when Robin was out, you know, and gone, it was it was done. You know, you can go out there and, you know, work the name, and some people don't know, but when they go there and find out it's not me or it's not him or it's not somebody else, Juan or something, then they get a clue, and, and you know, they're more pissed off than us, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, with the new, with going out there now, I mean, are you kind of drawing from your whole catalog, or are you focusing mostly on the solo stuff with some Rat mixed in? Or do we ever get to hear maybe an arcade song live, even like, you know, uh, a Vicious Delight or a Vertex song thrown in there? Uh, of course, yeah, man. You know, we go out and play now. It's it, it's a good time. We we actually, you know, of course, play the Rat hits, and, and we play, we could be playing an Aerosmith, we could play a Zeppelin, we could, it, it just depends. Bowie, it doesn't matter, solo stuff. You know, we play whatever gets us off, and hopefully it'll get somebody else off, you know. Yeah. You know, you, you wrote a great book a little while back, and you kind of like, you know, cover your, your personal life, you know, the band and everything else going on in there. I mean, is this the kind of business that does, like, chew you up and spit you out? Do you really have to be careful? Or is, 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 it, is it so easy just to fall into that, you know, typical sex, drug, and rock and roll lifestyle where it just consumes you, and it, it's very difficult to crawl back out of it again and, and get yourself back straight? Um, well, you know, you live and learn, but... You know, it, it would take 10 books to write uh, um, what I wanted to say, and the next book will dwell more into, you know, specifics and players through my career and, and stuff like that. You know, uh, Simon Schuster wanted The Dirt Part 2, and it didn't matter what I said. They just did it anyway. So, you know, they got what they wanted, and I didn't, but the next one will be different, you know. Yeah, you, what, what do you think we'll have in the next one? I mean, is it going to be more personal? Um, it'll be more music, more bands, more members, solo stuff, uh, stuff through the years, and you know, something a little more different and entertaining. It's just the reason I waited so long to do the first book was everybody was doing a book. Now everybody yeah. and their mother is doing a book. So the next one, who knows? Maybe it'll be all photos, and I'll just <laughs> write something underneath every photo. You know? Yeah. You know, today, you know, like years ago, you had so many bands had everybody doing something for them. They were managers, PR people. Today, it seems like every band <laughs> has to do everything on their own. And you have to be like almost like a carnival barker, where you're at, you know, just screaming at the top of your lungs your name and getting everybody to, to notice you. Do you feel like it's harder <laughs> now? 
to like you know to handle the the business end of it uh, or to mix the music in with it. Um, for a new band, you know, definitely. Um, but then again, there's more avenues to accomplish what you want to do. Um, you know, for me, I just step out of the box, and what happens happens. You know, uh, I mean, if it sells hundreds of thousands or who knows it's irrelevant to me i just like getting something out just because it's entertaining you know and it's you know we like doing stuff stuff different these days you know yeah well having the name i mean is a big help because you've already got that established so that kind of gives you a leg up on a new band just starting out mm-hmm. i mean where they really got to go from the ground up but it just seems like today people have shorter attention spans than ever before is it do you have to like kind of bombard them fast and quick with what you want to get out there or you know, just with your reputation alone, people know the way to you know for what comes and then enjoy it. Um, well, you know, for me, I just go out and do what I do, you know. And we do so many things, you know. For us, it's just getting out there, playing live, and just having a good time, and you know, just letting people know that we're out there. You know, and we're doing what we do, and and we don't worry about too much. Actually, we just worry about what we're putting out there, and and get the job done. You know. I have, well, Steve. I know you're working on the new record right now. Is it something we're going to see in 2014, or maybe next year? And do you have any like big tours coming out? We're just going to go out because you are out for the next couple of months on and off with dates here and there. Uh, do you have anything mm-hmm. more long term coming up that you know about? Well, sure. Once we get the. Uh, you know, we're going to finish out the year, finish the record, and we've got other projects on the label. We've got, a, you know, we're going to start signing people, and and we're just going to get out there and, you know, play when we do and work on the other projects, which are very important to us, and uh, just put Smash out there, and hopefully it's Smash, you know. Hey, I'm sure it will be. And Steve, I'm not going to keep you much longer. I know you're in Vegas and you're having a good time and you're getting ready to go up on stage in a little bit. But I do appreciate you talking with me today. And I can't wait for that new record to come out. I'm dying to hear some new music from you. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're going to have a good time tonight. Uh, it's always fun to play this this place. We like being in front of, you know, we're in, we're in front of big crowds, small crowds. I mean, we go where most bands fear to go. So <laughs> we're just uh, enjoying what we do, you know. There you go. Well, I know you're going to be in New York in October in uh, Poughkeepsie, so I'm going to have to come up there and check you guys out. Mm. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Stephen. The best of luck. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Savage Thrust, The Agony and the Ecstasy, representing Staten Island's finest back in the day, Mr. Patrick D'Anafio. Pat, how are you? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you? Uh, it's good to have you on here with me today. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully this will be a lot less ever... painful. What happened? I said I didn't think anybody would even remember us anymore. Oh, man, are you kidding me? You know how many people talk about this band on the show? Well, then i got to listen to your show more often. Oh, you'd be the only one, so I mean, you know, it's only me talking about you, but no, I'm just kidding around. <laughs> Look at this, somebody. <laughs> hey, this interview was going to be a lot less more painful than the one you did in Mexico back in the 80s, I can tell you that. Uh, Mexico was a blast, dude. I can imagine. I mean, that was, you know, I mean, you're talking about a bunch of kids from Staten Island, you know, starting up in a band, and then next thing you know, you got a record deal with a Mexican, you know, record company, and you're over there like on their, like one of their talk shows. I mean, it looks so out of place, but I mean, it was a big thing. 
I'll tell you what, it really was out of place because uh, we used to play some shows out here like in Jersey, not the big clubs, like the smaller clubs, and they'd be like 100 people, 200 people. And when we went out there, they had us playing in wrestling arenas, and it was like packed with people. It was just crazy. Ah, I can imagine. That must have been great. You did it. You were there for a little while. You did a couple of shows over there, right? Uh, we did about six shows over there, and we did the TV thing. The, it was like being on the the six o'clock news. Yeah, yeah. I, I, every time I watch, it, I just think of Sabado Sabado Gigante. You know, I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, it was a trip. that's good stuff. But you know, you go back to the band, and I mean, yeah, people do remember you guys. I mean, especially today with the internet, it's so much easier for like the younger kids to find things. And, and guys like me who remember trading for that demo of Doom Tape back in the eighties, and oh my, and, yeah, I mean, I, I still have the original copy of that tape. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. let me tell you something. That, that demo was recorded for like fifty bucks. It took us like two hours, and it sounds it. <laughs> it's horrible. But, you know, that's, that's how things were done back then. People don't realize that. If you were lucky, you went to the studio, you had, like you said, $50 on you. Most of it was done on a four-track machine. Everybody played live. And usually the singer was the one prick who took up more time than anybody else recording everything. But, you know, other than that, you did the best you could for the money you had. Yeah, that's, you know, we just wanted to get something. I mean, everybody was having, you know, making demos. And we went to this local studio on Staten Island. Uh, we booked a few hours. We did everything live. And... That's what we got. But yeah. that demo, I, th- I think we sold over 7,000 copies of that demo. Damn. So you made your 50 bucks back. <laughs> yeah, well, I should give all that people their money back because that tape was horrible. Yeah, but people people didn't look at it like I didn't look at it back then. To me, it was like, holy shit, this is fucking unbelievable. I mean, you know, <laughs> when you were a kid, you know, you're not thinking about sound quality. As a musician, you are, but as as a kid buying it back then, not a kid, but the same age. But I mean, you know, I was like, holy shit, this is just freaking killer. I mean, we didn't care what it sounded like because everything was so underground back then. It was all so new, and we knew that's the way bands had to do things to get their music out there. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. We used to do a lot of live recordings from the shows and. uh we actually used one of our live recordings as a demo. It was live painting from the Park Villa. The quality of that was unbelievable. Big difference uh, between that one and the next one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I mean I've been out in Stenow for about 25 years now, and I know you're not here anymore, but I grew up in Brooklyn back in the day right near Lamore, so that's why I saw you guys, like, you know, constantly. But I think of Staten Island, not a hotbed for, like, the kind of music you were doing back in the 80s. You had bands like the Seaver out here and, a bunch of crappy other bands have been playing around, but you know, you guys are like in a league by yourself with what you were doing. And but how was it being out here before you could really get around? You know, usually you start out playing where you come from before you branch out, or did you automatically like just try to get to Lamar because that really was the place to be back in the eighties? Um, well, I tell you, it's funny. My very first show I ever played. Um, all the other guys in the band were in other bands before. This was my first band, <clears throat> and our first show was at Lamar opening for Fate's Warning. And when I looked around the curtain and I seen the place was packed, uh, I just couldn't believe it. So for that to be your first show to cut your teeth on was really cool. Yeah, I could imagine. Did you guys ever get around that in Staten Island? Because I don't remember you playing out here that often. Did we play in Staten Island? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had uh, the Park Villa, which turned into On Stage. I and October. then they had October's, Billy O's, it was the old Rock Palace where a lot of the other bands, uh, the Jersey Circuit bands would play, like Twisted Sister and White yeah. Tiger. And 
Yeah, so that that was basically the only two places to play on Staten Island. You had to go either to Brooklyn or Jersey or. Yeah, you know, being a kid in Brooklyn back then, Staten Island may as well have been Israel. This place was so far away from <laughs> coming over that bridge back then. And, you know, we never got out here, so we only get to see you guys when you came to Brooklyn. And you guys played at Lemoore's quite a bit. Uh, yeah, we played. Uh, we did a lot of them uh, uh, thrash fests on Sundays, and we opened for a lot of the big bands, um, just about everybody from Anthrax to Man of War, Overkill. Uh, yeah, we we played there pretty much. Yeah, yeah, they were good times. They were really good times back then. And uh, I, I know, like, you know, you, you, the band was like, like, 84, 85, it got started, the band. And you kind of left it, like, towards the end of the 80s, or maybe, right, you, was it right before, right after Eat'em Raw? It was right before it, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, you know what it was? The whole scene started to, like, just crap out. And uh, I think we had, we had just came back from Mexico, and we had a gig the very next day at some shithole in New Jersey. I don't even know the name of it. And there was like 50 people there. And I was like, we just got done playing to a, you know, a whole bunch of people in Mexico and to come back home and play for 50 people. I was just like, uh, you know what? This is not happening. So I guess you kind of realized the writing was on the wall back then. That was a little bit before really everything kind of crashed anyway. A few years later, I mean, everything was pretty much over and done with. Yeah, yeah, basically, and they, they kept it going for a little while, but nothing came of it. Yeah, yeah, it was hard, but you guys did get back together about 10 years ago yeah, uh, for a reunion. <laughs> yeah, we did a reunion at Lamore's, uh and I remember thinking, uh, hitting the first chord and playing the first song, is like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just too weird I mean the club was totally different it looked like a disco it had all purple lights and a fancy bar and it's like this is not the Lamours I remember get me out of here yeah uh, it definitely changed at that point in time and plus you talk of 2001 and metal was pretty much all but dead back then it was just there was really not much happening. It was a new scene. Most of the bands from the 80s weren't even heard of anymore. A few were still lingering around. It was kind of a bad time, I mean, like as far as for the music you guys were writing, to kind of get back and try to do it again. Was it just, were you looking to put it together again, you know, like permanently, or was it just like a one-off thing? Um, that was just, actually, we played twice. Um, it was maybe like a two-year span in between. We played Lamar's, and then we played again in a couple of years. And then one night we had a big meeting at my house. All the original guys came over to my house, and we decided um, we were going to re-release everything and re-record uh, some stuff and write, like, a couple of new songs and put it out. But uh, it just never happened. You know, yeah, it just never happened. We lost contact. And, like, uh, Mike, my old singer, I don't know where the hell that guy is. He might be... Uh, drunk on a park bench somewhere or in a psych ward. Last time I talked to him, he just he told me I just got out of a psych ward. So I was like, I yeah. don't know where he is. <laughs> well, he's not a hair anymore. I uh, I don't know. Yeah, because you know, a lot of that stuff is it's really hard. I mean, most people can't find the old stuff anymore. You know, people are getting it off of eBay and getting it used on Amazon. But it would be great if you could find a way of getting that stuff re-released, especially maybe some of the stuff that people didn't get to hear back then. Yeah, uh, some of, sometimes you'll find some of them old uh, 45s that we recorded or uh, the album on eBay, and some prick in Mexico selling the T-shirts on eBay for like 50 bucks. I don't even have a T-shirt. I don't even have a picture. I don't have a demo. I don't have anything. I gave everything away. 
So, <laughs> I, can imagine. I know, because I was looking before, too, because I was looking for one of those old Savage Thrust shirts, the white ones that you guys had. And I saw this guy selling all this merchandise on there. That must be the guy you're talking about. I'm like, this guy's got fucking yeah, everything up for he, sale. You know what? I, I hope he's eating rice and beans off the money because uh, <laughs> he's got like $50 for a bootleg T-shirt. Like, I feel like sending him a text and sound like, give me one. Yeah, <laughs> you're right about it. That's got to piss you off in a way, too. I know you kind of left it all behind now, but to see other people making money for stuff that you couldn't even make money off of, that's, that's got to piss you off. It's ridiculous. I mean, uh, if they gave us a case of beer, uh, a couple of stale sandwiches in a dressing room, and then, like, at the end of the night, if you got 200 bucks, you were happy. That's true. That's true. It was a different time. I mean, when you guys started the band back then, I mean, did you have the intention of trying to take it as far as you could, you know, and making it big, or was it just more like a bunch of guys getting together, having fun playing? Yeah, we had, you know what, we had some really, really good times. It was, um, I, I mean, this is only a, a short interview, but some of the stories, like going to gigs, coming home from gigs, were just like unbelievable. I can imagine. You can, tell any, you can tell one of those stories anytime you want. We got plenty of time. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, if I think if I think of a good one that I, that's right, kind of beat, I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, even more. I mean, a lot of people don't think. Were you on the record? Actually playing on the record? Yes. As a matter of fact, I I did record the album. Um, my replacement is on the picture on the back, which is fine. Yeah. Um, like, when I left, I was just like, guys, do whatever you just got to do. I really don't care. Good luck. But uh, we recorded that at some studio in, oh, I want to say, Brooklyn, where uh, I think Anthrax recorded their first album, and we used the same engineer. And it came out pretty good. Um, but like I said, we really didn't get have a big, big to make it. And... And we recorded everything. One track, uh, one shot, everything was live. Guitar leads, uh, rhythms, everything was one shot. Yeah. No, it came out pretty good for back in the day. Because that's an argument I have in the show all the time. I tell everybody, you know, no, Pat played on the record just because the guy's pictures on there. You know, it's like an Ozzy Osbourne thing with Rudy Sarza. Rudy was on every album cover <laughs> in the 80s. He didn't play on one of those records from Quiet Right down yeah. to Ozzy, you know. It's the same I'm thing. too fucking ugly. They didn't want to put me on there. I'm too friggin' ugly. <laughs> Hey, it's like it's like the YT when they got rid of the drummer because he was too ugly for them to become a hair metal band. They had to get somebody prettier in there. <laughs> the same whatever, shit. Whatever the house. Yeah. <clears throat> but you did get signed to uh, the label in Mexico. I, and if I remember right, those guys had, a, I think, a magazine or a fanzine back in the day, the two guys that uh, had the label. How did you wind up getting signed to those guys? I mean, did you try to put anything out here? Did you try working on something like, you know, we had Megaforce here, which was like our label over in this area. You had Metal Blade and Combat and a lot of those labels. Uh, let, me, let me tell you, we sent out press kits to every record, everybody, Metal Blade, Metal Force, uh, Roadrunner, this runner, that runner, and we kept getting replies back that we were too middle of the road. Hmm. So, like, whatever that means, I couldn't tell you. And then I would listen to some of the shit that they signed, and I was like, well, something's definitely wrong here. Yeah. Um, and, well, that's just the way it went. And we sent stuff out to everybody. Like, anybody who ever wrote us a letter, we'd send them out the whole press kit. And the guy from Mexico, he had a radio station, he had a magazine, like a fanzine. And one day he sent us a letter and said he wanted to take us out there, and 
we agreed. We went out there. They paid for everything, and um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, was there any money involved in that deal? I mean, did they pay you out to pay off the record, or I guess not? That answers that question. No, no, no. There was no money. Um, uh, I if I if I have to be honest, which I think between all the everything he laid out and he broke even, and I think one day I got like fifty copies of the album mailed to my house, and it was just like, all right, and I got fifty copies. I'm going to sell them. I'm going to give them away. So I gave them away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even about, everybody talks about the business today, how it's like there's no money in it. It's, you got to do it because you love it today. But there was no money back in, in it back then either. Unless you were like a real major band or a, or a circuit band touring or one of the arena bands, there was no money to be made by anybody. I mean, like I said, you made beer money. That was about all you could make, and, and you could even hope for that. Yeah, it's it was definitely it's a whore business. You know, you just do it because you love it, and hopefully you can get lucky. If that happens, that's great. Um. In our case, it really didn't happen. Like I said, we were too middle of the road or whatever they wanted to call it. And yeah, we never really got Yeah, we never really got a deal. You know, I mean, that Mexican record company, what in the hell is that? Yeah. I tell you, I, I play that YouTube video all the time, and they have, they have it. I don't know if you know, but they have it on YouTube, the interview. And and, and I, guess, I guess you guys did a performance over there. It was all lip synced. No, everything. Uh, we actually played everything. Um, really? Yeah, it was like in this TV studio, and we actually set up everything, and we played live right there. I could have sworn that was being played to, to the record. I could have sworn all these years that was being played to the record. <laughs> nah, it just no. had too clear, it had too clear of a sound. Like, you know, for, I know the tape is like 20-something years old now, almost 30 years old. Yeah. But Yeah, and, if, and I also think that that was recorded from the hotel room off the TV. Oh, okay. That's so, probably why it sounds so like that. So, by the time we got back to the hotel room, they were just showing it on TV, and we recorded it with a camcorder in the yeah. room. <laughs> that was good. When you left the band around 8990, did you wish that the other guys had failed because you weren't in it anymore? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely okay. not. I, I, I really, you know, I had a lot of fun with them guys, and the only thing I could wish them was success, and I used to go to the shows, you know, when they would play. Yeah. Sometimes it's not personal. It's just that, you know, you have enough and that's it. Yeah, it just, it wasn't for me anymore. The scene was dying. There was too much bullshit. Uh, we had a manager who was a Hollywood special effects dude. Like, he could make a lump of cheese come alive. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And we wanted to use him, I wanted to use him for our stage show. Like, this guy could have done anything. And uh, the other guitar player, Ed, was like, nah, we shouldn't do that. We should rely more on the music. I was like, I think you're wrong. I think we should have a great show. We got this guy that can make us anything we want. Let's use him. Yeah. And we kind of butted heads there. Uh, and it never, you know, it never happened. So I, I kind of seen it. Yeah, it wasn't going in the way I wanted it to go. He seen it a different way. I seen it another way. And. The scene was dying, so I bailed out. Yeah. Well, two years later, I mean, the whole thing kind of came to an end anyway. I mean, and the 90s were a rough time for you know, for most metal bands. But did you continue with any kind of music after you left the band? <laughs> um, I I had a side band while I was playing with uh, Savage Thrust. I had a band called Dead Baby Sandwiches. It was... <laughs> uh, yeah, well, if you would have seen this act, you would have loved it. It was like a 
400-pound lead singer in a baby diaper. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a total goof band, but um, we played two shows, and that was it. And uh, I think the second show we ever played, we broke the attendance record at the Park Villa. Nice. Those, those places so, are all gone these days, you know? Yeah, I know. It's like a ghost town there now. I know, I know. The Paramount had a couple of good shows back in the day over on Bay Street, you know, Richmond Terrace, whatever the hell it is. There was a lot happening out here. Yeah, yeah, it sure yeah. was. Do you ever think uh, somewhere down the road there might be a third Savage Thrust reunion, even for like maybe, you know, a couple of gigs here and there or for festivals? You know what? I've got to be honest with you. The main problem with that is I really have no idea how to get in touch with any of these guys. Um, yeah. If I could call them, talk to them, I'm sure we could do something. I don't know how to get in touch with them. They don't know how to get in touch with me. And and they all, uh, let me see, two of them live on Staten Island. One lives in Jersey and one lives in Westchester or the psych ward. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope he's, that's all I know. Yeah. You think with Facebook it'd be a little bit easier today because pretty much everybody and the mother is on there. You can kind of connect with everyone. Yeah, well, a lot of people you would think so. You would think so, but them idiots don't have Facebook. Yeah, that's a sad part about it. I'm hoping that it does happen. It would be great to see that you know come together again. You know, especially right now, there's such a resurgence in the whole scene. It'd be great to see you guys you know be able to get out there and play again. Especially now, you're probably not middle of the road anymore. You're probably you know upper road now. <laughs> yeah, upper road. That boggles my mind that somebody would like label you guys middle of the road because I thought you guys you know, were so you had something so original going on there. I mean, it was a great sounding band, and I I don't mean what can you be compared to? I mean, you are, are you on the, on the you were between the hand metal end and the extreme metal end back then? I mean, I don't get it. I think it was that we had a singer that sang really high or tried to sing really high, and most of the bands they were. Uh, they it wasn't really that death metal voice yet, but they all had yeah. like that voice like the Hetfield voice or the Paul Bailoff voice and um, that's the only thing I could think of um, who knows yeah yeah it came to a point where singing really didn't matter anymore you didn't really have to be a singer to be a singer in a band and that's what kind of came about by the mid 80s yeah I mean yeah. look at Paul Bailoff I mean the guy sounds like he, he goggled with glass but <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love his voice. I love him. Exactly. I that band so great. And I might as well say this. I think Exodus is the best thrash metal band ever. Yeah, I, I wish Paul was still around so they could have done it with him. But they do have uh, Steven Zetro Zuzza back with them again. So uh, the new album sounds actually pretty good. It's coming out in a few weeks. Well, I wish them all the, the best of luck because uh, they're definitely one of my favorites. Absolutely. Well, Pat, you know what? I'm going to let you go, but I appreciate you talking to me today. I'm going to get us some more music. And you know what? I'm going to dig up the other four guys. I'm going to try to get you all back in touch with each other and get this reunion going. I'll tell you what. You could find them. God bless you. <laughs> I'm going to start working on that as soon as I hang up. Actually, after I hang up with you, i got to get upstairs and watch The Real Housewives of New Jersey. It's almost 8 o'clock. But after that, I'm going to start working on this for you. All right, Mike. All right, Pat. Take care, buddy. It was good talking with you. Take it easy. Thank right, you. Take all right, let's get on some more Savage Thrust. We'll do that right now. And i got to get some oil in this chair because it's squeaking like crazy. I'm going to have to get maintenance in here today and take care of this. But let's do the damage is done.
was H-Bomb with Double Bang off the Attack record. You know, Axe Killer put out a really great compilation. I think it was like in 2009 or 2010 uh, called Axe Killer Warrior Set. It had both albums, Coop the Metal and that one. They were remastered. It came with a whole bunch of stuff in a box. It was really nice. They did a good job on that. There were a lot of other songs I like to play by the band, but I kind of have to pick the ones that are in English because I can't pronounce them <laughs> that are in French. Uh, but they were a really cool band from back in the day. And uh, Before that, we had Warrant with Cowards or Martyrs. Another great band. I know we're going to have a singer of that group on coming up. We're working out a date to have them on here. We did a lot of interviews this month, man. We did like 11 already. We still have next week left. And on next week's show, we have Dan Fila from Varga and Steve Tetra from Armed Forces. So we're still digging deep into the underground well. And then we'll wrap it up uh, August. Uh, it's Labor Day next week, and I can't believe it. It came before you know it. But I think in September, we're going to slow it down. I said that every month, and then all these interviews fall to my lap, and I do them. But after a while, we just did three in a row back-to-back. And to try to come up with different and original questions for every band, especially when they're like one after the other, is really difficult. And just trying to keep track of everything in my head because I don't write anything down. It gets all mumble-jumbled up in there. So we're going to try to slow it down in September and maybe have one guest on a week. Maybe even, maybe even skip a week where we have no guests and just play music. You know, who knows? We'll see what happens. But, uh... Like I said, next week, we got Varga and Armed Forces on the show. And this Thursday on the Metal Matinee, it's Iron and Steel. So don't forget to tune in at 12 p.m. EST for that. And uh, September, we have our uh, six-year anniversary. So I'm looking forward to that. I believe that's the show. We have Mark Briotti from Jack Panzer on and uh, World Dane from Sanctuary and Nevermore. So I'm looking forward to that. Like I said, Wolf Hoffman will be on the show next month. And uh, the guys from 220 Volt will be on the show and a few other guests that are in the works. But we'll try to spread it out so it's not too many. All right? Okay, let's do uh, some Candlemas right now, The Will of Souls. And we'll maybe get one, on one more tune before we wrap it up here today.
All right, I want to thank all my guests tonight. I really do appreciate you guys taking the time out to talk with me. I will see everybody Thursday on the Metal Matinee at 12 o'clock. Don't forget to tune in next Sunday night. we got a great show for everybody. And I want to make a correction here. It was Chiron that requested Sarah Thungal. I pronounced his name wrong. I want to thank everybody for listening, like always. How about we wrap things up here tonight with, uh, let me see what I can do for you right now. Uh, I don't know. What can I do? You know what? Let's do some Maltese Falcon. It's heavy and loud. I'll see you guys next week. Take care, everybody.
best heavy metal anywhere. BlogTalkRadio.com and Heavy Metal Mayhem. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.